Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Upfront at Stamford Bridge. I'm Chloe Morgan on this freezing, freezing cold day. And I'm Rachel Sullivan. <laughs> oh, I've got you in yeah, here. Thanks, yeah. mate. Jesus. <laughs> it feels so weird because obviously we were in the studio yesterday and then I'm seeing you again for the second time. Did you miss me? Um, I don't no, think I've had long enough. So. It's been less than 24 hours. Yeah. So I feel like I need a little bit more space. But here Do we are. Do you want to move down a seat? Or? Literally two seconds away from each other. We're on top so. of each other, Chloe. All right, fine. Uh, right, let's get stuck in. Chelsea walked away with a quarter final spot. Quarter finals taking place on the 19th and 20th of March. I don't think it was the most convincing Chelsea performance. I think first half, I think. Yes, if you kind of look at the stats, if you look at the possession, if you look at the chances that were created, 100%. But actually, they looked a bit impotent. I think there were a load of chances they didn't convert. It felt like they were kind of playing cat and mouse with Real Madrid quite a bit, kind of sort of dangling. I like this analogy. Go on, tell the, tell the listeners what you said to me. Like a Tom and Jerry type situation where you've got like a cat that's kind of dangling the tail, but it's not quite doing anything with it. It's not killing the mouse. It's just playing with the mouse. Toying with it. Letting it kind of, you know, have a couple of chances to get away and then coming back again and just sort of like knocking it on the head in the second half, that kind of vibe, but not doing it convincingly enough. I thought they were convincing in most areas of the field, okay. except the final third. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like I thought... Um, Guru Wrighton and Johanna Wrighton Canarid were excellent. I thought they were really exploiting the width on the pitch, but then nothing really came from it. And I think that was probably the most frustrating bit. Um, and every time you thought 
you know, Chelsea were going to turn, like, take off at the game. Real Madrid kind of came back into it. They never quite went away uh, in the 90 minutes. And I think at the end there, there was, it was a bit squeaky bum time as he thought maybe Real Madrid were, were going to steal a, a goal at the end. But main thing is they got the win, you know, right after a big match that they played on Sunday here at Stamford Bridge as well. So they won't really care how they did it. The thing is they did it. Well, so they, I thought, I mean, I guess I was speaking to Tom Gary. He said 2-0. I said 2-1. I thought it was going to be quite a close game. I think the score doesn't really reflect actually what happened. Uh, I was expecting a lot more from Caicedo, but she picked up a knock mm. uh, in the first half that looked quite serious, but then yeah. she played on, but then came off in the second half. So I don't really know what's happening there, but I think I was expecting a bit more kind of, um, I don't know, pizzazz from her kind of thing, like a bit more spark, a little bit more fire. But I think after that knock, she seemed to fall flat and then obviously she went and then I don't think they really had that many great chances apart from obviously the goal that they actually eventually converted I mean, brilliant counter-attacking play uh, from Hayley Rasso as well who gave away the penalty for on, on Neve Charles for Chelsea to go ahead and um, you know took off down the wing crossed it in Hannah Hampton got a hand to it but the last person you want to put it in front of with a palming off the ball is uh, Athena Del Castillo so um, yeah she, she put it in great goal from from them but again almost immediately Chelsea came back the other end and I was literally in the middle of my goal update on Instagram and I was like <laughs> well I have to start again because Chelsea have scored now and um, that was a bit of a calamitous goal that one they gave it to Aaron Cuthbert others say it was a goalkeeper own goal uh, well I think it was two separate kind of goalkeeping I've got to go back to the goalkeeping on both counts I think to be fair Hannah Hampton I think she seemed a little bit too far in front of her post for me I, I think it, it, she was too narrow as well if you can hear anything in the background it's the security staff they're not telling us to leave but they are telling other people to leave so we're going to stay until we get kicked out um, but Hannah they're Hampton, actually shouting at other security guards. Looks like they're almost shouting at Emma oh Hayes. Dear. Is, oh dear! don't do that. Do they know she works here? Do, she, do they know who she is? Um, but yeah, I think with Hannah Hampton, I mean, I was surprised in a way that she was starting again. I didn't see that coming. I didn't European th- debut was it? Yes, mm. it was. And I just think that is. I think that consolidates the kind of confidence and, and kind of respect I think that Emma Hayes has for her as a young keeper I mean she did really well with the Manchester United game coming into this game obviously a lot of pressure wanting to get that Champions League spot obviously it being Emma Hayes's last year with Chelsea that is the kind of the, the, the big one for her the, the, the blue whale if you want love that um, but I think, I think her positioning wasn't great for me in that first goal I think she was too narrow too close to the post too far in front of the post so then for the second attempt it almost felt like she was trying to make up that additional ground and then the area that she parried it into it was just kind of like no man's land it was based on the penalty spot the it, worst place to put the ball. Yeah. It, it was bad it was absolutely bad but again I think she did make some pretty crucial saves as well so it kind of it balanced out in a way but then you go to the other end of the pitch you have Chavas I mean Erin Cuthbert sort, sort of created this chance from seemingly nowhere you thought the <laughs> angle was too tight nothing could possibly happen all of a sudden it takes a deflection off the Real Madrid player and it sort of it, it kind of she's kind of anticipating it's going to go further out and then it kind of her, her handling is all wrong and it, she basically knocks it into her net it kind of looks like she's done it on purpose even Erin Cuthbert looked surprised it felt like Erin Cuthbert <laughs> thought the chance was gone and then she was like oh bloody hell it's in the back of the net Erin Cuthbert I think actually asked the referee afterwards whether it was sure? her goal <laughs> I think was that mine she was like is that mine and especially because she took captaincy this game as well you're thinking okay for the captain to score in the group stage really critical game having that kind of armband you're thinking alright amazing good for you mate taking, yeah. taking away that goal yeah. I think you know it's kind of understandable I think maybe we wanted to see a similar Chelsea thrashing to what we saw on Sunday but you kind of have to factor in how many games they have to play you know how much rotation are they going to bring in I felt like at times a little bit they were the masters of their own downfall sometimes Mm -hmm. giving away possession a little bit too cheaply 
Um, but overall, I think, deserve to win the game. Um, and that will be the main thing they'll take away from it. They wanted to top the group. And I think they have now because um, Paris and Hacken drew. Yep. So I think that means Chelsea will top the group. And at least they're going into that Paris game knowing they're through, which is probably a bit of a weight off because Paris have been causing quite the upsets across the Champions League this season. Well, talking about the kind of rotation, I think, in the Chelsea squad, and we've got to touch again on the kind of Lauren James, me official ins and outs, didn't really appreciate... Well, I, I kind of thought Lauren James might be starting, but then we kind of heard that she wasn't at the training session. We we're thinking, okay, maybe she's going to have she's going to have a rest. And I was even <laughs> speaking to Finn producer at half time saying because we didn't see her warming up at all for the first couple of minutes, and we were saying, okay, well maybe it's kind of a, an Emma Hayes tactic to not put too much pressure on you know Lauren James being the kind of the person who has to save the day. It's you know kind of having that atmosphere of you know letting the check like trusting I suppose in the players to be able to go out there and perform without Lauren James or expect that Lauren James is going to come on and, and do business. Um, and I think also building that confidence in someone like me official. But then saw a woman up, half-time. Obviously, the game against Manchester United, she's only got 55 minutes. This this game's only got 45 minutes. Lauren James comes on, and immediately, I think she's kind of in and around the box. She creates a chance, gets the corner, and sort of creates those corners and goal-scoring opportunities for the squad. And there's that dynamism. And you can see the, the, the smile coming off Lauren James's face when she left the pitch. She was waving up into the stands. I think her family, her dad, normally comes down and watches the game. So... It was a it was a good day for her. Part of me wonders if, if maybe they hoped they'd have the game put to bed by half time or they'd look at the game and say, Do you know what, we actually don't need to, to pull out the big guns. Um, and maybe that was why Lauren James wasn't started. You know, especially when you've got two games left and you know you need one win to, to qualify. Um, but then I think, you know, it is nice for Chelsea to know they can do it here. They've, they, they probably, she probably looked at that game and said, OK, there's no goals in the first half, but we should be winning this game. Okay. So actually it is it is worthwhile bringing LJ on and putting this game to bed tonight. Well, I think it was that. If I'm going to have a criticism of me official and sort of justify why Lauren James came on, I mean, there was a couple of really decent chances in that first half that she should have absolutely converted. Sometimes so her positioning isn't great. Positioning, but also just making the wrong decision. Mm. I felt like she was passing the ball when she could have had a shot. She was sort of in the wrong position in in parts I didn't feel like she was but then also I didn't think she had a bad game it was yeah. a really weird one like she didn't she didn't score but she didn't have a bad game and I think that's probably down to the service that she was getting as well and the fact that they were getting up to the box and then it wasn't as, as creative as maybe they needed to be um, but you know again they won that's the main thing I'm just glad that there's still an English team in the bloody Champions League <laughs> well Chelsea this week there's rumours flying around uh, they're reportedly set to sign Colombian striker My Myra Ramirez uh, for a club record fee uh, she was actually in the stands tonight which is very was she very interesting is this going to be another one of the worst kept secrets in the transfer window surprise like Emily Fox coming out the bag um, she scored six goals in seven games so far this season for Levante and got 14 last season we would have seen her the World Cup as well for Colombia. Well, that's the thing. I mean, maybe Emma Hayes was kind of watching her on that stage thinking, do you know what? Like, she looks like a pretty decent player. There's yeah. an opportunity kind of coming up here with she Sam so Kerr business for, you know, for the long term. But, yeah, I mean, what are you expecting? Do you think we need, do you think Chelsea needs another attacking player? Or actually, do you think, you know, there's, <laughs> do, do, do you think they're okay with what they've got? I feel like Chelsea could be absolutely fine with what they've got, but also it's Chelsea, so they'll probably get another one. Are they doing an Arsenal? Uh, maybe. They're just like, <laughs> we, want, we need deeper depth. <laughs> we, we saw what you Deeper did. Deeper depth. <laughs> we need more of it. We saw what you did. We're going to go one further. Yeah, exactly. Uh, some other big new, uh, Chelsea news this week. The departure of Jessie Fleming. She's moved to Portland Thorns for a £250,000 NWSL record fee. Um, I mean, what do you make of the move? Did you I'm kind not, of see that coming? I'm not hugely surprised. I mean, I'm not sure Chelsea have actually officially announced it yet, have they? Or did they announce it today? I know uh, it's been kind of 
exclusively I think Tom Gary broke the news um, not hugely surprised I feel like she's a very very good player who will be wanting more minutes understandably ahead of a, uh, uh, an Olympics um, you know and she's an integral part of that Canada team so she'll be needing more minutes I just feel like she's one of those pieces that didn't quite fit in the Chelsea puzzle. Um, you know, and I know I've seen her compared to the likes of Erin Cuthbert, of course, but I feel like her best role was probably the number 10. That was where she was probably enjoyed playing the most and was the most effective. And when you've got a Fran Kirby and a Lauren James ahead of you, she Don't was kind of coming it. in and playing a little bit wider. So not a huge surprise. Um, really enjoyed watching her play. She's quite a, a technical player. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see as she gets on in Portland. Um, she'll be close to home as well, and you know, close no, to Emma. Well, well, she will, yeah. No <laughs> doubt that um, she will be involved in that in that Canada team as well because she's such an integral part. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, this was, of course, our very first episode of Upfront at a Champions League game. Um, I mean, let's talk a little bit about how the competition is currently seen by fans in the UK. We've just kind of had this big, big news uh, from DAZN that they're going to get rid of their paywall, which they kind of introduced at the start of this season, saying that we're going to put some of the Champions League games in the, in the latter stages behind the paywall, as, long as, uh, as well as some other kind of European fixtures. So do we think now that that's going to benefit the kind of exposure I suppose that the Champions League is getting I mean I, I feel like the gap between intro- introducing a paywall and getting rid of the paywall was very small um, matter of months and I know it's it's kind of being made to be this big news for women's football but it kind of just sounds like the idea maybe didn't really work um, I'm not sure the Champions League was maybe quite there yet for another paying pe- platform for people to pay for um, but the exposure is growing the interest in the Champions League is definitely growing and I think there will be a time where we should be looking to, to pay for these platforms you know whether it's one fee at the beginning of a season a, a low fee but like a fee of some sort we've talked about putting a value on the game before but I do kind of feel it was maybe too soon for Champions League um, and you know it's, it's hard the, the competition is of course what's been brilliant about the competition is that we're seeing teams that are getting opportunity to play better quality football more regularly with the group stages and we're seeing them benefit that now like if you look at group C it's still pretty up in the air about mm-hmm. who's going to go through even in this group Hacken have been doing the absolute business Paris FC coming in and doing the business so exposure to that level of football in Europe has massively benefited you know smaller teams um, which I think is key 
but I'd also think brings the interest then as well and it's not just the big teams bringing the fans I think their fan bases are growing as well so I think it will probably get to a point where we'll have a paywall again mm -hmm. but at the moment I think the exposure is really really key oh massively you're talking about sort of group C which is kind of the, the classic group of death I mean you've got PSG Absolutely in there, you've got game. Bayern Munich yeah. but also Ajax are sitting at the top of the group and yeah. you're thinking okay well how did this happen it kind of gives them that kind of exposure and that kind of excitement around around the squad so I think um, yeah it's kind of growing that kind of European audience but yeah I've got to agree I was a little bit surprised when DAZN kind of introduced the paywall at the start of the season I, I was thinking okay is the audience actually there is it yet. Is it yet ready to be it's like when we started doing you know women's games at the stadium and people were doing the one pound tickets or going for free it's, it's kind of you build it you build it in a way that sort of incentivizes people but then at the point in which I mean it's a great product already but it's about getting eyes on that great product so until you have that you can't really start yeah. charging I yeah suppose, and it's a bit cat and mouse because you know or cat and mouse you've put that analogy nice. in my head bit chicken and egg I should say in that oh, you gross. want a better product to watch that you're going to pay for but in order to get that better product you need more money so you know and a lot of the times in women's football you end up having to do stuff before you get the investment you need mm -hmm. and, and then it grows so I think there will be an element of that as well um, but it is brilliant that, that there's more exposure to the Champions League and to other leagues in Europe as well. And I think even when you kind of look at the audience that we had here today, I mean, initially I thought it was, I hadn't really heard too much about what figures we were kind of expecting. There was sort of, you know, talks of it being around the five, 6,000 mark, but actually it was 11,262 people turned out today. And the great, atmosphere great. Was, was pretty decent. Yeah. There was, I mean, where me and Finn were sitting was pretty much, there was one guy who was pretty much leading all the charts. It was Kyobo Chelsea. Was that Basel? He had a funny hat on. Basel, probably. Yeah. literally from the get-go. He will literally go around to other parts of the stadium as well to get everyone involved. It's brilliant. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was annoying most of the press back. They were trying to get some words down. It was nigh on impossible to do that. Well, he was asking you to sing Come On Chelsea and you weren't. So he will keep going until you join in. Well, I was, That's the trick. I was here on official business. So, you know, unacceptable. I'm, I'm, a very, I'm unacceptable from Basel. <laughs> no, I think the, the thing you have to factor in, you know, it's a, a Wednesday night. It is Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Wednesday night kickoff. So getting 11,000 in is brilliant. And we were talking before the pod, you and I, about the cap that Chelsea had been putting in on fixtures earlier in the season. And that is down to the fact that once you go over that, I think it's 5,000 mark, other factors come into play in terms of security, in terms of closing roads, etc. And if you go to 5,001, if you don't know how, like you're, that you're going to get a lot over 5,000, is it really worth stepping over that mark and getting 5,002 people and then suddenly you have to bring in all these extra things? So the fact that they got over 10,000 here tonight is, is really good and makes it worthwhile closing the roads, etc. Oh, 100%. And I think it's the atmosphere here was amazing. Yeah, but it was all around as well. It wasn't just one side. That's the one thing I absolutely loved. It just felt like there was, even though all the top stands weren't being filled, it didn't feel like it was just one side and you couldn't really sit and it looked like an empty stadium that's sort of in front of you. And I think it helped the atmosphere actually for the players because they felt sort of surrounded, like as you would when you're, you'd be at King's Meadow or something like that. So I think the energy from the crowd actually was, was, good. was nice today. Yeah, so it's actually quite a nice journey actually coming in as well got a seat on the train which is nice so 11,000 feels like the right the right perfect for me personally for Chloe, I feel like 11,000 right. is the right cap let's put it out to the rest of the clubs okay <laughs> So from 2025-2026 season, the Champions League is going to change from separate groups to one big 18-team league uh, where, say, Chelsea or Arsenal will play six different teams, three at home and three if away. 
There's also going to be a second tier competition. Um, this will kind of mean there's more teams and more fixtures. Do we think this is going to generate more interest in football? Or do yes. we think actually the Champions League, sort of the the hype around it, was already going up in any in any event? Oh, it was going up anyway, but I think more exposure for more teams in Europe is only going to be beneficial because we can't just focus on the top leagues in Europe. We need to try and grow leagues across the continent. Um, and, you know, it might not match the Champions League levels that quickly, but I think even within small towns and small communities, getting communities behind their teams is really, really valuable. And I think sometimes we see quite a good little following when we go abroad. I remember going to Kuya in Denmark um, and that place was absolutely jam-packed. And like going to those smaller clubs and seeing the, the real investment and passion that their mm -hmm. fans have put into that squad, getting rewarded by either making it to Champions League, group stages, or getting into a European competition is a worthwhile reward because it's going to encourage more investment it's going to encourage clubs to want to invest in their women's team if they've got more competitions to, to fight in Do you think sometimes it makes it a lot more hard when you've got a competition that you've got to work out the format of like when we had the confusion about the Women's <laughs> Nations League does it feel like another one of these competitions where the rules are kind of if A goes here and B does this then C does this and they could qualify if a hippo and an elephant are in the same room at the same time in another you continent. Have two apples and one pear. <laughs> what time will ben Charlie fly <laughs> to the train? What? Um, no, I. Uh, yeah, I, I. Look, we'll get used to it. We got used to the Nations League eventually. Um, I, just, I think sometimes it just feels like we have so many competitions thrown on us in such a short succession and they all require a bit more lateral thinking than we would like um, that it often seems maybe a bit more confusing than it actually is but it will be interesting to see I feel like we to need see. to get Soph on because Soph I feel like Soph Listen, really gets to the bottom of like those kind of nitty logical gritty logical brain yeah, yeah very straightforward cutthroat this is what it is this is what it is yeah. it's annoying because she brings both the brains and beauty to the relationship so I'm not really sure what I'm adding but yeah we could uh, we so could next on. season up front we'll be featuring myself <laughs> and Sophie Downey <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's get to the Oh my absolute. god, it works, the close-o show. <laughs> close-o do show. There you go. Wait. Oh my god, I, I can't stop. I can't stop. Please do. Right, let's get to the really big question then. Chelsea, how far can they go in this Champions League campaign? <laughs> they have the weight of the world on their shoulders with Emma leaving this year. Do we think, actually, this is their time to shine based on what we've seen here? Because my opinion is that it looks a little bit shaky. I don't feel confident based on what I've seen today. I mean, Real Madrid was sitting bottom of the group, didn't really pose that many threats, couple of good chances, but at the same time, I don't really feel like Chelsea have really kind of like, I don't know, nailed that consistent level that we saw kind of pre-Christmas, pre the Bright injury, pre the Kerr injury, pre the kind of devastating loss at the Emirates. I don't feel like they've really found that kind of like tenacity. I think Every year, the Champions League gets harder and harder to win. Um, and I think, obviously, we've had Leon and Barcelona qualify pretty straightforward, easy, relatively easy groups. But elsewhere, I think there hasn't been a huge amount of consistency from teams that you would have expected consistency from. Like, Bayern Munich are struggling. Um, we expected better from Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. um, so, it, 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 it depends, kind of, I guess, on who how the draw falls and who they end up getting. Because I think there are a lot of teams that they could potentially beat. Mm -hmm. But equally, if they come up against a Lyon or a, or a Barcelona too early, that could maybe stifle their chances. So I think it very much depends on the draw. But I don't... Other than those two teams, and it's really hard to judge as well because they had easier groups, arguably. You know, everyone, looking at everyone else, you think, OK, this could be really a really challenging game for anybody if they draw each other. But, you know, if they draw a Barcelona or they draw a Lyon, it could be a very different story. So here's hoping 
Chelsea don't encounter them too soon. <laughs> well, I think uh, Emma Hayes is probably showing the same sentiments as you. Uh, the draw is on the 6th of February, so we will see what is going to ha- happen then. Uh, Rach, you also saw the holders Barcelona batter Benfica 5-0 back in November. Uh, this is also their coach, Jonathan Heraldes's final season in charge. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, I just think it just gives them another bloody incentive to win, which is the last thing Barcelona need for, is- from people outside of Barcelona looking in you're like oh god they've got another reason to win everything um so yeah they, they continue to look frightening you know they won the cup there at the weekend something like seven nil um just seven it's just the seven in the final uh they're unbelievable they've got unbelievable talent and you know they work really well together we know that so they looked frightening against benfica um way back at the beginning of the champions league season and they're just getting better and better and better Okay, we're moving swiftly on from that absolutely <laughs> fearsome prospect. Yeah. Uh, let's get on some really positive news. Today, in the Conti Cup with Arsenal, we saw Lioness's hero, Arsenal legend, Leah Williamson, back on the pitch uh, for the first time since obviously doing her ACL back nine in months. April. Nine months, which is a pretty short turnaround, yeah. to be fair. Uh, I think it was something like 281 days Incredible. or something I saw. And do you know what she did? I think she's got an assist. She's got a bloody assist. <laughs> Did you see the goal? It was a, a work of art. From Me Beth Mead. Okay, I've got to call out producer Finn on this one because we there was a tweet that said, what an absolute worldie of a pass. Uh, Finn said, was it a worldie of a pass or was it just a dink? Finn. I said to Finn, could you do that? And he went, well, no. Well, well no. Sorry. <laughs> Could you do that? Having been out for nine months and literally being on the pitch about First 15 minutes. Back. Jesus, man. Unbelievable pass and unbelievable finish. I think Leah Williamson said to Tim Stillman afterwards as well is that Beth had said to her, if we come on together, you're going to put a ball over the top for me and I'll score it for you. Oh, my God. Sometimes the prophecy is poetry and that was an absolute moment right there. Sometimes destiny is written in the stars. There's something wonderful about players coming back from long-term injury. Um, whatever team they play for so delighted to see her back and Kim Little also made a return and I think her 300th appearance for the Arsenal so lots going on at Arsenal tonight well I think it was also lovely there was a really touching moment between uh, Leah as she was coming on massive hug from Jen Beattie and then also uh, Katie McCabe giving her the armband as well so I just thought it just felt like yeah she was really back like it felt like we've got Serena nailed in for her contract for like till 2027 now Leah Williamson's back hopefully Millie Bright's going to be back in the next couple of months like, yeah, it just feels like you know it's all coming together for a really Could you fantastic. Imagine Serena seeing that link up and just being like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh my God! Right, Leah's up front. <laughs> <laughs> the new plan: launch balls over the top for Beth Mead. Well, it well it works. Yes. It really works. Um, elsewhere in the Conti Cup, it seems that Aston Villa are in a little bit this is of so dumb. bother. Um, it's come to light uh, after they beat Sunderland seven 0 They brought no- uh, Noel Moritz on as a sub at half time when she'd already played minutes for Arsenal in the competition this season. The punishment so far is unclear, but it could mean awarding a win to Sunderland. I mean, there's a, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, we've come so far. And then something That's like this so happens stupid. and you're like, where was admin? Where was the backroom staff? Did Moritz not feel like... Didn't I play cards you got earlier this season? <laughs> I swear to God, I had a game with Arsenal. Did I not? But it's weird, obviously, I mean, we kind of all missed it in a way because it's only just been brought to light and everyone's like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But, like, there's no kind of... I think there should be, like, a red flag on a system that's like, wah, wah, wah. Like, she's already played, but yet we are still in a situation where we could be seeing Sunderland go through. It's, it's un- indefensible. It's one of those mistakes where you're like, there's, you can't, there's no excuse. Um, I, I'm intrigued to see what happens because 
Barclays WSL did put up a post being like, qualify for the quarterfinals, Aston Villa. And it was like, guys, <laughs> this might not happen. Awkward. <laughs> Let's just take it down. Someone tell us what's going to happen. Please um, take it down. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting one. From the highs to the lows <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> what a thing. <laughs> Well, we will wait and see. Um, I'm hoping news will probably come out in the next couple of weeks or the next week or so. Next it'll have day, to, yeah, have to. literally quite quickly. Um, thank you so much for listening to our first eps, ep- episode. It's good. Up front episode. Up up episode. I don't know. You episode. did this last time. You were like up the front at the match, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna need new branding. <laughs> we're gonna wrap this up to the beautiful dulcet tones of lawnmowers as well, which is so nice. I love it when they get the lawnmowers out. Do you? And you start I hate to see it. like the little um, I don't know the, the lights and stuff to like grow the seeds. I think it's like quite a nice like it's like the rebirth of the pitch again. I Ooh, think, yeah, that's sorry. beautiful. Yeah, oh, well, wrap it there. That was very nice poetry. Thank you. Uh, we are back next Tuesday, bringing the latest from the WSL and much more, and we'll bring uh, obviously an update on what the hell is happening at Aston Villa. Uh, remember, you can find us on Instagram and X I am at Morgie underscore 89 Rachel's at Girls on the Ball and we are at Upfront underscore pod you can also find us on YouTube at Upfront pod see you next week Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.